CVS is your one-stop shop for immunity support and more. This week, select Mucinex and Delsum cold relief products are $15.99. Visit CVS or CVS.com today. Restrictions apply. See CVS.com slash weekly ad for details. The Leslie Marshall Show, the only true democracy in talk radio of, for, and by you, the people. Live nationwide and streaming live at LeslieMarshallShow.com. Call in with your thoughts at 888-6-LESLIE. looking at me be listening to me although you can look at me tonight on special report 6 45 p.m eastern with host brett bayer and a great a panel uh for the all-star panel uh tonight plus winners and losers hope you'll tune in on fox news channel where you know i am a contributor and if you don't i am a contributor i'm leslie marshall host of the leslie marshall show appropriately named don't you think happy friday thank you for joining me and glad to have you uh with us I just want to say once again, thank you to all of our veterans, as it was Veterans Day this past Tuesday. Thank you for your service. My dad uh, was in the Navy. He fought in the Korean War. I have a cousin who fought in the Persian Gulf War. He was a Marine. Um, I have an uncle who was a part of the Air Force because a lot of the people, myself included, my family have flat feet and you cannot be in the Army if you have flat feet. Not just then, but apparently still now. My Uncle Harry, who's gone like my dad, uh, fought in World War II, uh, and uh, he he fought he fought actually um, as a, a Jewish American. It was very personal to him, not just uh, patriotic. Uh, so let me see who else in my family has been in the military. Oh, sorry, and my cousin, uh, also my cousin uh, Matthew, who uh, was in the Navy, uh, but he was not in any combative role. So I've got some uh, I've got some great veterans in my family. And I'm very grateful for the freedoms that I, as an American, especially an American woman, and especially with what I do, uh, that I have the uh, privilege of thank you uh, to those who fought for that very freedom, willing to give their lives, and some who actually did just that. Well, right now on this Friday, it is time to kick it and check what is ripped from those headlines. These coronavirus infections have jumped by 40% over the past week. The United States now averaging roughly 119,000 new cases per day. That is by far the highest daily average on any point in this pandemic. Now, the United States really has never controlled the coronavirus. It would seem right now, while we're still in this administration, we're not ready to start either. Cases rose over the past week in 40. You know what? And I just want to say, uh, I'm on TV with him a lot. Charlie Kirk uh, really uh, upset me the other day. My husband's a physician, and I remember patients crying because he couldn't operate on them because there were elective surgeries that were stopped from you know two to three months, depending on what state or what hospital that you were in. I'm in California, Southern California, in Los Angeles County, and you know the healthcare workers are just being overburdened. So for, and I mentioned Charlie Kirk because he posted something on Twitter and I responded, but there are many people doing this. Hey, for Thanksgiving, let's have a big bash. Let's have a big gathering and get together. That is so irresponsible, so irresponsible. And if you are a human being 
and, and you're sticking your middle finger up to doctors and to nurses, how dare you walk into the emergency room crying when you can't breathe? How dare you? We are all in this together. This is not political. The virus doesn't ask, are you Democrat or Republican? Who did you vote for? The virus will attack you. And you may have an underlying health condition and you don't know. The virus is a virus. It's just going to attach to any host. And we, the humans, are the host. Now, the vaccine isn't going to make it go away and make our lives return to normal right away. That's a reality. What we need to do is to stop acting like petulant children who are being dragged like toddlers out of Chuck E. Cheese and wear our damn masks. You wear a seatbelt. If you go into a bar when you're at the beach, you got to put on your damn shirt and your flip-flops because shirt and shoes are required. That's the law. Or the health department, by the way. So please, if we want this to be behind us, let's look at countries who've actually done that. If we need to shut down for a few weeks and somebody's going to help us financially with our government being led, I hope, in the right direction and a better direction with our new outcome and our true president-elect Joe Biden, let's stop being red and blue. We all bleed red. Let's stop having that attitude because, quite frankly, karma's a bitch. And you know what? It comes for all of us. I don't want to bury any of my loved ones from this damn virus, neither do you. Think of those people. Stop being so damn selfish and self-righteous. This isn't about infringing upon your freedom. I don't know who it was who said the other day, you know know what's worse than your freedom being infringed upon? Dying. And, And that's it, folks. That's it in a nutshell. Wear your damn mask, social distance, don't have these gatherings. It's irresponsible. It's wrong. And to promote that, is 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 disgusting. To to could you could you imagine sitting at the bedside of somebody who is not your relative and holding their hand because their family can't be with them while they die a very miserable death as they can't breathe and they choke to breathe. This is no joke. This is not a slap on the hand. Don't be an idiot. Please listen to the medical professionals. Please listen to the scientists. What are you doing? And what example are we setting as a nation for our children? If you go into a doctor's office and they say, if you don't quit smoking, you could get lung cancer. And then you get lung cancer and you cry and you whine and you want medicine and you want treatment. I'm sorry, but my violin stays in the case for you. Let's get back to this. Cases rose over the past 40, uh, past week in 45 states. We have 50 in this country and held steady in the other five. Not a single state saw an improvement. Uh, the number of people who are sick enough that they need to be hospitalized, higher than it's ever been, still climbing. Nearly 62,000 Americans are in the hospital for coronavirus infections. And by the way, there are hospitals saying, we can't take you. We don't have enough beds. Do you know what we are doing to the medical community? Do you know what we are doing to our nation? Do you know what we are doing to our families? And do you know what we are doing since we love ourselves so much to ourselves? The United States is now conducting just under 1.4 million tests per day. That's up 11% by necessity from the week before. And the problem is we have more cases for those tests to find. Cases up nearly 40% this week. Look at the testing. But people say it's testing. Testing's up 11%. 
No, cases are up 40%. It's not because of the testing. It's because we're raging. We're surging. Seriously, I just want to take you and shake you. Those of you who don't realize how serious this is, what will it take? Somebody you love being put in a, in a coffin as you watch them being lowered into the ground and you go, duh, should have worn my mask. Experts have long believed that winter would be a dangerous time, and not because temperatures take much of a biological difference for the virus COVID-19, but because it spreads more easily indoors, which we already knew. More indoor socializing, holiday travel, will likely cause cases to keep rising. My mother is 82, 81, is she 80 or 81? Can't keep track. I haven't seen my mother since December 25th, of 2019. I have never gone that long without seeing my mother and my extended family who I see every Christmas. This will be the first Christmas that I am not with my extended family, just with my husband, my two children and our dog. Thanksgiving would always go see my husband's family, his four brothers, his parents, his aunts, his uncles, nieces, nephews, not doing it. We're not going to put them at risk by getting on a plane and catching God knows what and exposing them and ourselves and our children to that. We're going to do our own family celebration on those holidays. Not what we wanted, what we have to do. It's what we have to do right now. Experts, like I said, had, had long believed that more indoor socializing would be a problem. Holiday travel, uh, it causes cases to keep rising. Infections are also spreading widely in places where it's still warm, by the way. Here in California, we've topped a million. Florida is still raging. Texas and parts of Texas warm. Uh, the last big spike in cases happened over the summer, if you remember, with regard to warmer temperature. Winter is not our only problem. It just exacerbates our failure to stop the virus spread. Let's rip another. More than 130 Secret Service officers are quarantining now due to positive coronavirus tests or exposure to a co-worker who has tested positive. That comes from reports from the Washington Post. Now, officials told the Post that they believe the cases at least partly stem from President Trump's run of campaign rallies before Election Day. The number of officers forced off duty, roughly 10 percent of its core security team, could stress the Secret Service at large, forcing overtime and missed days off to make up for the strain. A former senior Secret Service supervisor told the Post, quote, being down more than 100 officers is very problematic. That does not bode well for White House security. The Secret Service outbreaks come as the White House is experiencing another coronavirus outbreak of its own just weeks uh, after one that left the president himself infected. Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, HUD Secretary Ben Carson, campaign advisor Corey Lewandowski all tested positive, And those are just a few that have. Trump has not yet addressed the rise in cases, has largely avoided public events in the last week. That's Rip from the Headlines Part 1. We'll be back with Part 2 after this. If you miss Leslie on TV this week, catch up at LeslieMarshallShow.com. I guess I can go? Yes. Um, anyway, I'm Leslie Marshall. Welcome or welcome back. We're going to have our second half of Rip from the Headlines now. Uh, let's uh, kick it and check what further is ripped from those headlines. 
If you want to know why public health officials are so nervous about how much worse the COVID-19 pandemic will get as the holiday season unfolds, well, consider what happened after a single smallish wedding reception that took place this summer in rural Maine. How that turned out. Only 55 people actually attended that reception at the Big Moose Inn in Millinocket on August 7th. But one of those guests arrived with a coronavirus infection. And over the next 38 days, the virus spread to 106, 76 other people. Seven of them died. Did you hear me? What? Seven people out of 55 died. Now, 55 spread to 176. More than three times the number of the people that attended the wedding got the virus. Seven people lost their lives because they had to have that reception, not social distance, and not wear their masks. By the way, none of the seven attended the wedding. So do you understand why I say When you talk about having a big Thanksgiving bash, not social distancing, and not wearing your mask, maybe nobody in your household will die, but maybe somebody in mine will. Or a friend or a neighbor, maybe somebody you don't even know. But how dare you take away that child's mother or father or adult's mother or father? How dare you take away one or both of the breadwinners for that family? Maybe leave a woman and her children if she's a stay-at-home mom without the financial support from her husband because he lost his life because you just wanted to stick your middle finger up to Democrats, blue states, and Joe Biden. What's wrong with you? What kind of a person are you? You can't call yourself a human being if you're not acting human. It is inhumane to personally intentionally and purposefully take actions or refuse to take actions that will result in endangering another. You know, it's interesting because in a court of law, that could be called attempted murder. It could be called manslaughter. It could be called aiding and abetting. It it just blows my mind. I, I just, seriously, there are people in other countries watching our country, scratching their head going, what the blank? Ireland, the UK, New Zealand, Italy, Spain, France, South Korea, Germany. They're going, what the blank? Doctors are telling you, please wear a mask. You'll be helping others. Ooh, that didn't work. Now they're saying, you know what? We're finding out if you wear a mask, you're helping others and yourself. That still doesn't work. Look, if you all want to die, don't wait for COVID. I mean, seriously, if you want to die, don't. Don't, you know, how irresponsible. I don't know about you. We're all going to die, but I don't want to get there sooner. I certainly don't want my children or anyone that I know and love, and by the way, or anyone I don't know or love, to get this terrible virus. And I don't want to further burden our healthcare system. I see how tired my husband and other health care professionals are. And if you're in the healthcare industry or you're married to one or living with one, friends with one, a relative of one, you know that face that I'm talking about. It's overwhelming. It's overwhelming. Now, in a new report, investigators found regarding that main uh, party that from the Maine Center for Disease Control and Prevention, um, they explain how a well-meaning celebration with family and friends wound up causing so much suffering and death throughout the state in such a short period of time. I know some people might say, oh, just seven people died. Those are seven human beings. Those seven people have families. And those seven people suffered because somebody else said, 
I want to get married. It's not a big deal. We'll just have a reception. It's a big deal. Now, to the main health officials who wrote the report, the lessons are clear. Wear a mask, practice social distancing. For goodness sake, don't go to work when you are sick. By the way, don't go anywhere if you're sick. The market, a gathering, a gender reveal party. You know what I'm saying? Community gatherings such as weddings, birthday parties, church events, and funerals have the potential to be SARS-CoV-2 super spreading events. They remind everybody. And the risk is higher when people gather indoors, something that is likely to occur over the winter holidays. The findings are in uh, the Morbidity and Mortality Weekly Report. It is a publication that comes out of the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Let's rep another. Doctors close to President-elect Joe Biden's transition team are working to develop their own plans to mass distribute a coronavirus vaccine. They're concerned that the Trump administration planning will leave them unprepared when he leaves office, underprepared. Now, President Trump's ongoing refusal to concede and his administration's unwillingness to acknowledge that, that Biden is going to be our president means that those working to develop the vaccine distribution plan cannot start to share the plans with those who will take over in January. According to Ron Klain, Biden's incoming chief of staff, in an interview with MSNBC yesterday, he said, quote, we're in a COVID crisis. Right now, there are officials inside the Department of Health and Human Services who are busy planning a vaccination campaign for the months of February and March when Joe Biden will be president. So the sooner we can get our transition experts into meetings with the folks who are planning the vaccination campaign, the more seamless the transition. Again, irresponsible. Tell the king he's naked. The emperor has no clothes. He's a grown man not a child. Stop enabling the behavior. The physicians working with Biden's team have been in contact with CVS and Walgreens. They see as key distribution points for the general public. They've been tracking whether the retail pharmacies will have the staffing and the supplies needed to vaccinate millions of us here in the United States. The Biden team also has been in contact for months with Pfizer as it tries to sort out the sub-zero storage requirements for the company's vaccine. And Trump aides have continued to insist that the Republican president will prevail in litigation, which alleges mass fraud, but have so far failed to provide details. They're like, I don't know, 0 for 10, 11 or 12 at this point. Uh, You have a law firm pulling out. Lawsuits being dropped in the states of Nevada, Arizona, rejections of lawsuits in states like Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin. And even as Republicans continue to echo Trump, have begun to push for the administration to allow some transition steps to begin. Now, Republican senators have started to call for Biden to receive intelligence briefings that would be access to critical information about our nation's security and actions abroad. They've not yet made calls for Trump to let Biden access coronavirus response information. Now, Eric Toner, a senior scholar with the Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security, said they are not yet allowed to talk to people in the government, which is a particular problem for this issue. Now, he is not involved in the transition, but he went on to say for this issue, really getting an understanding of the details of Operation Warp Speed and what has been communicated to the states and what their plans are, that is something they're really going to need to know. The sooner they can access, have access to that, the better. Pharmaceutical companies are racing to develop a vaccine that could help return the world to normal after the COVID-19 pandemic has hobbled economies, killed more than a million people globally, and getting an estimated 300 million doses to Americans after it's approved. It's very obviously going to produce its challenges. Mass inoculation could begin in the weeks before Biden takes office January 20th. The Trump administration has developed a plan parts of which have been made public, remain uh, made, uh, made to the public, but they rely heavily upon the military and Joe Biden doesn't have that information. 
Trump's coronavirus task force met earlier this week on Monday for only the second time, by the way, since October 20th. The president has not regularly attended those meetings. And today, his public schedule did include an update on Operation Warp Speed. The Trump administration has laid out the broad outlines of its strategy publicly, including its plan to use an existing contract with drug distributor McKesson to transport the vaccinations to locations where it will either be administered to the public back. Happy Friday. I'm Leslie Marshall. We're going to be short by a great guest. I'm very excited. We'll be coming on Dr. Eric Feigel-Ding. He's an epidemi- I never say, uh, epidemiologist. I always say that wrong, but I said it right. And health economist and a senior fellow at the Federation of American Scientists in Washington, D.C. and chief health economist for Microclinic International. Uh, we're going to be hearing from him shortly. Uh, we're just uh, getting the uh, technical stuff uh, connected. And um, in addition um, uh, to that, um, if you have, if you don't follow him on Twitter and haven't seen his tweets, he is just a plethora of information, um, all things COVID. And I'm very excited to be talking to him just a few minutes uh, from now. Uh, but want to continue uh, sharing with you some information um, about uh, ripped uh, from the the headlines. Um, we're talking a lot about COVID, uh, but uh, let's talk a little bit about politics. Joe Biden is the apparent winner in the state of Georgia. That is. A- NBC News Decision Desk, there are projections in Georgia and North Carolina. NBC is the first network to make calls in the presidential race in every state. The final electoral count, 306 to 232. Interesting, 306 was the number Donald Trump won by in 2016. And 232 is the number Hillary Clinton lost by in 2016. So it's the exact inverse of 2016. Um, And remember, President Trump called 306 a landslide back in 2016, despite the fact that he had lost the popular vote to Hillary Clinton by more than 3 million votes. This time around, though, millions more votes are still to be counted. And that's in mostly liberal states like the one I'm sitting in here in California and also in New York. President-elect Biden already has earned over 78 million votes for people that thought there wouldn't be enthusiasm and voter turnout for him, giving him roughly a 5.5 million vote lead over President Trump. Now, by the time all the uh, votes are counted, President-elect Biden is expected to beat Donald Trump by over 7 million. That, that, that... Just to let you know, the total population of people that voted for Joe Biden is more than the the population of 27 states in this country combined, just to give you an idea of the magnitude of that. So excited to have this next step with us. (laughs) Yeah. Hi, Leslie. Hi, Mark. Hi. Okay. Are we on the air with the doctor? Um, uh, Yes, we have 
Okay, sorry, guys. We have Dr. Eric Feigel-Ding, as I mentioned, an ep epidemiologist and health economist and a senior fellow at the Federation of American Scientists in Washington, D.C., and chief health economist for Microclinic International. Now, in January of this year, he was recognized in the media as one of the first to alert the public on the pandemic risk of COVID-19. He's part of FAS's work to stop COVID misinformation and communication with the public. Previously, a faculty and researcher at the Harvard Chan School of Public Health and Harvard Medical School between 2004 and 2020. Please follow him on Twitter. Like I said, he's a plethora of information at Dr. Eric Ding, D-R-E-I-E. E-R-I-C-D-I-N-G. Uh, Dr. Feigelding, thank you for joining us. I am so uh, excited to have you on the show today. I repost almost everything that you tweet, and I do find uh, you just a, a huge source of information. Uh, thank you for uh, being with us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I, I'm just trying to do my best to sh share as much as I can. Um, okay. J just a quick overview where we're at. The United States is surging. It was expected to happen in winter. It's not even winter fully everywhere, like where I am here in California. It's probably 79 degrees outside and sunny. Um, this isn't just about winter. It's about people being inside, but it's also about people refusing to wear masks and refusing to social distance. Is that correct? Yeah, there's a lot of things that has gone wrong in this uh, pandemic response. I think mask wearing is one of the most unfortunate it shouldn't even be a brainer, you know. It's it's you know. I would say that you know, lockdowns are and and uh, business restrictions are much more frustrating. But masks just it's it's such a minor inconvenience, but could actually make such a huge difference. And the fact that there's a culture war and misinformation, disinformation campaign around it is just so ludicrous. So I would say that is a frustrating thing. And the other thing is people realized that it was an airborne virus too late. You know, in Asian countries, Japan, South Korea, and, and Taiwan, they assumed this virus is aerosol. It's a respiratory. You breathe it. If it's something related to you breathing, they assumed naturally it was an airborne virus. But we didn't recognize that it was airborne until really late. And all the six feet rule. Now, six feet is important. But six feet is not enough when it's an airborne virus. It's just trying to keep your distance from, uh, is is an oversimplification. It is important, but an oversimplification because you know you could someone could have been heavily breathing in a room, left for twenty minutes, and then you enter. But that could infect you if this room is full of airborne aerosols of this virus. So there's so many things we've gotten wrong in. I, I can go on, talk about Trump and everything he's done as well, but it's so frustrating. Yeah, and my husband's a physician. He's an orthopedic surgeon. Although he doesn't deal directly, he does have patients that have had COVID or he's operated on patients with COVID. Uh, it certainly affects him and others in the medical community with regard to um, elective procedures. And there are people, I, I know people, patients of his that were in pain with torn ACL, um, you know, rotator cuffs, uh, you know, meniscus, uh, you know, tears, uh, the list goes on that were in excruciating pain and he could not operate on them for almost 90 days here in the state of California. And we're fearful that's where we're headed again. When we see those numbers, doctor, um, uh, of people entering the hospital uh, and the burden that's being placed on healthcare workers, there, there are just so many things that come through my mind. There's a mental health aspect of not just the patient, but of the healthcare worker that we're in a sense 
you know, put, putting them through again. How yeah. do you as a physician feel when you see, I, I saw a post uh, and it just really chafed my hide this week, uh, you know, uh, a very conservative person who I uh, debate on TV and others out there who were saying, you know what, for Thanksgiving, let's gather. Let's not have our freedoms infringed upon. What Can you speak as a medical professional as to what we as a nation who were not social distancing, who are gathering or gathering indoors and not wearing masks, what we are doing to our healthcare workers and to the healthcare community? Yeah, we're really endangering them. So I'm not a physician. I'm an epidemiologist. Right, uh, right, right. Uh, research uh, scientists. So what we really also needed was PPEs, these personal protective uh, equipment from good quality masks and shields. And at the beginning of the spring, you could argue, okay, maybe we were caught off guard, even though we knew it was going to be a pandemic in January and February. But we were caught off guard in in the March, April wave. And, but by now, by the second peak, by the third peak that we are seeing now, there should be no excuse. We should have invoked the Defense Production Act, and t- doctors should not have uh, been using trash bags as you know gowns. They should not be reusing their N95 masks so much, um, and it's almost ludicrous. And right now we have epic shortages. You know, in, in North Dakota, they have such a doctor a nurse shortage that they're being told if you test positive keep working if you have covid keep working because we have no other doctors we don't have enough to go around and people will die if you if you if if you have a mild case please please keep working it's so frustrating and so much of the you know right now we've we're exceeding the Healthcare capacity, you know, the flatten the curve thing we used to talk about in the spring. The whole point is that, you know, how many people die depends on uh, basically, you know, if the hospitals are overloaded. And we're reaching that point where hospitals are overloaded. And that means doctors are being endangered. That means patients are being endangered. And so much is at risk. And once if we lose our healthcare doctors and and nurses, you know, you know, you can try to replace beds. Right. You can add more beds and ventilators. You can't replace doctors and nurses overnight. This is where we're headed. And next month is going to be really, really bad. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with Dr. Feigl Ding. He's sounding the alarm uh, that he believes uh, that uh, that, you know, it could be the U.S. When you see an article in Newsweek magazine that COVID-19 patients are receiving oxygen in cars in Italy because the hospitals are overwhelmed. Uh, We'll talk to him about that. We'll talk to him about lockdown. We'll talk to him about the new administration coming in and what he would advise in his opinion on the coronavirus task force that Joe Biden and his administration have put together. I'm Leslie Marshall. Stick around. More to come right here with our guest, Dr. Eric Ding. Follow him on Twitter at Dr. Eric Ding, D-R-E-R-I-C, Ding. Back with him, back with you right after this. Follow Leslie on Twitter. Just go to www.twitter.com slash Leslie Marshall, and we'll be sure to share your tweets. Happy Friday. Welcome, welcome back. We welcome back Dr. Eric Feigl-Ding. Uh, I'm a big fan of his. Um, and uh, as I mentioned, follow him on Twitter at Dr. Eric Ding. I'm not going to go through all of the great stuff in his resume because I want to get to him um, and, and talk about a few things. Dr. Ding, thank you for holding. Uh, welcome back, Dr. Feigl-Ding. Uh, Listen, there are people, um, you know, that for campaign purposes, Donald Trump and his campaign 
uh, during the political race uh, before Donald Trump um, lost this election, you know, have, have said that Joe Biden is going to lock the country down. They're going to take away your freedoms. Um, would a lockdown have been such a bad idea at the beginning of this thing? And would you recommend that if if Joe Biden, you know, called you tomorrow, President-elect Joe Biden called you tomorrow and said, Dr. Feigelding, what would you recommend I do? Yeah, Feig, uh, I would say lockdowns are this really, really difficult thing that normally you want to avoid. But if you do it, you don't want to waste it. They do work. They are are definitely the best thing when there is a flashpoint of a really bad surge and you want to cool it down. We've seen it work tons and tons of places. Israel has a re- had a really bad um, you know, outbreak and then they locked it down and now they're almost back to really pretty low levels again. But the problem is, what do you do during that time? It buys you time. It's one of like basically dropping huge numbers of water from the top of a wildfire with these tankers. But, you know, the fires and the embers will keep burning unless you swoop in immediately after and put out the fire. And that's the thing. We should have done it very quickly and very aggressively and then stopped it and nipped it in the bud where it was. Um, or we should just move and do it in a way that supports people that they can sustain it for a long time. Because there's lockdown fatigue, there is distancing fatigue, and we know it works, but we should have done an enormous amount of testing and contact tracing with it. And at the end of the day, it's something we want to avoid because then kids are also out of school. But had we done everything else along with it, plus mask, plus ventilation, funding um, during that time, funding air improvements, HEPA filters for schools, and then reopened, we would be a lot better. But right now, we are kind of squandering it, and the lockdowns that we are doing are very laissez-faire, half-assed. And that's the problem. You know, we are shooting ourselves in the foot long term, and we're not even doing it right like other places that have done it right and basically stopped the virus altogether. Uh, you've probably had a look at the list of people that the Biden uh, you know, team, uh, the Biden administration, incoming administration, have chosen to be on the corona task force, coronavirus uh, task force. Um, are you happy with the names that you're seeing in some of their picks? No, I th- that list is really great. Um, and it's a, it's a really great start. It's a, it's, it's a 12-member um, task force at the moment. Um, a lot of them are clinicians. A lot of them are uh, virologists and immunologists. A lot of them previously worked in as uh, FDA head surgeon generals. But the, you know, the one thing I noticed is that it's lacking, you know, in terms of risk communications uh, to some degree. And you know, obviously, this is just the start, and there will be lots of other people. But in terms of reaching the people and making them understand. Uh, I think in certain ways that they're just hoping that they have a spokesperson who can uh, alone. But I think reaching people, especially in this misinformation, disinformation age, I think will require, you know, getting the word out and getting people to do these interventions in an earnest way. It requires more than just pure medical and basic science expertise. And, and this, in certain ways, this is why I spend a lot of time on Twitter because uh, there there are certain things you have to say in a certain way 
to make sure people hear the message, right? Sometimes you have to be funny, you have to be, uh, you know, be creative. And because unless people hear it and do it, it's not going to sink in and the intervention is not going to work. It's, and oftentimes, you know, a person who smokes knows that smoking is bad for them. They know they still do it. But there are certain things you can say and do to convince them to stop smoking. And this this lockdown, doing lockdowns is difficult. Wearing masks for some people is difficult. Understanding ventilation is difficult. There are ways we have to get people to do it. And so I'm really looking forward to next year. Um, next year can't come fast enough. And I think the Biden administration will take science seriously and actually carry out these public health recommendations. Um, speaking of next year, before the end of the year, hopefully next year, there will be uh, vaccinations or a vaccine available. Um, how much of a game changer is that? Because, you know, obviously oh, this is quicker than we've ever seen anybody have a vaccine turn around with, uh, with, uh, you know, uh, studies and whatnot. Yeah. Vaccines definitely will work. And there's about over 10, um, in phase three trials right now. There's actually much more than that if you count uh, other additional vaccines in development. And we need as many different as possible because, you know, some require boosters, some don't require, you know, freezing, which is much easier for transport. Some could last longer. And I would say it will be such a huge game changer. But the problem is it's not like everyone will be vaccinated overnight. And so there's going to be like this small throttle um, releasing as you uh, add more vaccine. And of course, you have to fight the vaccine misinformation because you could have a one hypothetically 100% effective vaccine, efficacy vaccine. But if only 50% take it, you've got a 50% yeah. <laughs> vaccine. And so right now, the problem is only one third say Americans say they will definitely take it. One third say they definitely won't take it. And one third that says, I'll wait and see. I'm hoping that wait and see means they will take it eventually once Dr. Fauci. But still, yeah, but we still have that time period. <laughs> yeah. 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 But the thing is, still one third of the people. So say we have this 90% effect vaccine, which, you know, we still have to follow for much longer. It's a very early result. One third of people don't take it. We've got a 60% effective vaccine, effectively, uh, in terms of population. And that is good, but that's not sufficient in absence of anything else. We we definitely still need to mask, ventilate, filter, and distance to some degree in order to just really slow it down. Because our goal is to bring it to zero. Right. There are people who say, of course, there's the crazy ones who say herd, infect everyone, build immunity, which means get everyone sick, either die or have chronic debilitating illnesses. That's crazy. And then, you know, there's there's so much more than that. Um, and I'm part also surviving survivor core of people who survive these long-term illnesses. And it's just incredibly, incredibly risky. But we cannot just let this spread. And the goal is to get to zero so that we can have kids playing, kids interacting, hugging each other eventually. You know, you seeing your, your grandparents or relatives who are elderly, all that in order to return to normal, we need to be back to zero. Absolutely. Not just, you know, a minimally acceptable casualty rate. 
Absolutely. I um, I have read that one in five COVID-19 patients are diagnosed with a mental illness within 90 days uh, of becoming uh, positive with COVID-19. Um, what, what is that about? Why, why do you think that is? Yeah, so that was a study of people 60 days post-discharge. Um, and, oh, actually 90 days. But that is that is a very worrisome number, one in five people. Now, granted, some of the people already previously had a mental diagnosis, but whether it's a flare up again or what's a new diagnosis, one in five is an enormous, enormous number. And it's one in five of any combination. But uh, it's, you know, having these cognitive deficits, it's really bad. And it affects people even if you aren't hospitalized as well. If you're hospitalized, it's worse. But even if you're not hospitalized, you still have this. And they actually calculated in another study that among those hospitalized, they took this cognitive test, and it is equivalent to an eight-point IQ drop for someone who was hospitalized and recovered, and recovered, and their cognitive deficit over uh, you know over a month or two is equivalent to eight-point IQ drop. That is humongous. And, you know, even those with milder non-hospitalized cases still had like several points of IQ drop. These, these are things that will affect the workforce, will affect our lives more. And it's, there's so much more than death. And so these, we cannot ignore this. And this is on top of every other cardiac condition you're also going to get a long term. So it's um, very worth we, we have less than 60 seconds. So just in one or two quick sentences, Senator Rand Paul, who survived COVID, says millions of COVID-19 survivors should throw away their masks. We don't know what? if you're immune to getting COVID, right? Yeah, it is so, so crazy. That is one of the most ludicrous comments. And for him to say that as a, as a medical doctor who has clearly lost his way against all medical evidence, it is so derelict, so dangerous. And when there's a reckoning for all the things that terribly happened, Rand Paul's name will be on that list of things that went wrong and things who people who've made the pandemic worse. Doctor, thank you for taking time with us. I know you're busy. Dr. Eric Feigl-Ding, uh, thank you for uh, being with us. Follow him on Twitter at Dr. Eric Ding, D-R-E-R-I-C-D-I-N-G. More than a pleasure to have you with us. Like I said, thank follow you. him on Twitter. He's a plethora of information. I love the information. I turned my husband on to you as well, too, doctor. Thank you for all that you do, uh, not just uh, you know in, in your position, uh, but sharing that with the public uh, via social networks like Twitter. Thank you. I'm Leslie Marshall. Have a wonderful weekend. Marky Marcomaldi is our executive producer. Shout out to him and uh, be safe. This holiday season, remember the families who've lost loved ones to COVID-19. Don't risk losing your loved ones. Stay vigilant. Make smart choices. Avoid indoor gatherings and wear a mask. Spread hope, not COVID. For tips, visit michigan.gov slash holiday 2020. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. This holiday season, remember the families who've lost loved ones to COVID-19. Don't risk losing your loved ones. Stay vigilant, make smart choices, avoid indoor gatherings, and wear a mask. Spread hope, not COVID. For tips, visit michigan.gov slash holiday 2020.
A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services.